1: George North Queensland, patch of dirt King Street in Newtown Where they took away the hurt Ancient stories, different worlds Of love
0: 3CR 855am, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR on demand, out of the pan with Sally. First broadcasting, noon through one Australian Eastern Standard Time, every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. Thanks to the crew from Out of the Blue, diving deep for the marine news. As they do every Sunday and bringing us a uh, focus on important issues such as their interview with Lisa Deplar, talking about sm- seismic blasting off the Otway coast and con- need, the need to consult with locals. Of great importance this week 3CR broadcasts from the lands of the Kulin Nations, the Rw- Wurundjeri and Bunurong peoples. And we pay respect to Elders past and present and acknowledge any Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander and First Nations people tuning in from all over the globe. Thanks for your company. And of course, um, wishing you the best of NADOC Weeks, which was a good reason to start with um, proud Aboriginal man Troy Kassar-Daily back on country from the world today. What a great track. Hope you're enjoying your country wherever it is. Um, if there's lots of ways to get in touch with the program, and of course, welcome to listeners of all genders, including but not limited to ladies and gentlemen. Lots of ways to get in touch with the program. Um, you can do it via email out of the pan 855 at gmail.com. You can SMS six one four five six seven five one two one five, Tweet Mastodon and Instagram at Sal Gold said so and that's the bottom line and look for posts on facebook sally goldner am and out of the pan 3cr 855 am melbourne you can also snail mail but we just can't get to that one during the show po box 1277 collingwood 3066 remember any opinions i express on the show are strictly my own and don't think we'll have any content notes today so i won't do them now but we'll do if needed what we do have on the show today, um, who we have on the show today, is a fantastic guest, someone who's an absolutely brilliant um, pioneering researcher in, on this big island, and she's put out a book. Um, well, it's going to talk all about it. Please, um, well, I nearly thought um, I was in front of a live audience. I was going to say give a big uh, 3CR welcome, but I will do it to my guest, Raywin Con- Connell. Raywin, uh, welcome to 3CR.
2: Thanks, Sally. I'm
0: very glad to be here. Great to have you with us. You've put out a book through Melbourne University Press, um, Research, Politics, Social Change, but this isn't the usual sort of book. Um, it's unique in its way. Um, tell us a bit why why it's unique, in your own words, and how you came about the idea for this unique concept. Might be a good start. I
2: thing. Yeah. Well, it's unique starting with the cover. I've never had a cover like this before because if you look at the cover of the book, you say my name in glorious bright red letters flashed all across it. But you also see my name upside down and I'm not quite sure what the publisher meant by that, but it looks rather odd. And then comes the, the official title, Research, Politics and Social Change. Um, it's um, it's also inside the covers is something like no book I've ever published before. I've published about twenty four books, I mm-hmm. guess, in the course of my career of crime as a as a researcher. Um, and this is unique because it's a, a kind of collection of my greatest hits or uh-huh. most famous you know best games if I were a chess player or or a footballer um and um that was that was quite uh you know when i was uh, the the publishers melbourne university press who who published a book of mine back in 1971 believe what it or else? not um which was based on my PhD research. In um, all that time, um, you know, that, that, all that time I've been an active researcher, all right, mm-hmm. so I've got a, quite a lot of stuff out there to to think about what, um, you know, what you pick for a book that in a sense sums up mm. uh, the kinds of things that I've done over a, a lifetime in the trade. And uh, it's tricky because, you know, you could just sit back in an armchair and and pick out the plums, you know, like little Jack Horner Mm -hmm. sat in a corner. Um, But then you get, you know, sort of an odd imbalance collection of stuff that had, you know, maybe got the greatest number of readers or citations or something like that. And it'd be a bit of a dog's breakfast. You wouldn't have any particular rationale um, or any good reason for people to read it. Um, So I thought, you know, some of the areas I've worked on, I've I've done research across a fairly wide Mm. range of social science issues, um, you know, research during the HIV/AIDS crisis about sexuality in the, in, in the gay community uh, was was helping um, community educators to to, to stop the uh, the epidemic. Uh, I've done historical research on social class, you know, class in Australian history, uh, how class relations have changed and so forth, um, what I decided to do um, was pick in, in areas where I've worked actually over a long period in the same field an early and a late essay or paper um, or article that I've written in each. So in each area, uh, and I'll tell you what they are in, in yep. just a moment, I've got something from near the start of my work in that area And something from a good deal later, and then I write a little bit to introduce these pieces about how ideas and knowledge in a given area changed over, you know, half a generation or a generation that I was working there. So the first couple of of papers is the stuff I'm best known for internationally, which is research on masculinities. Mm, so, uh, you know, part of the, the, one of the very first, not quite first, but one of the, the the significant papers that I published very early, back in the 1980s. And then a much more recent one, which thinks about how that area has changed as it's gone global, basically. And then another uh, field I've worked on is, is theories of gender. Um, so I've got an, an early... Is actually called Theorising Gender, uh, which I published in 1985. And then again, a much more recent one about the, the way we have to change the way we, we conceptualise gender um, if we're thinking on a world scale and not just on a national or, or a local scale, which most, most social research does. And then, as, as I mentioned, I've done uh, work on the history of class in Australia. And that includes stuff on, on class relations, class inequalities in the present. Um, so I've got an early piece about the Australian ruling class as it was back in the 1970s. Um, and then uh, uh, an essay that I wrote in, I think it was 2002, um, you know, after neoliberalism and, mark the market agenda and you know uh, business friendly politics had had come in Um, what what had changed in the uh, Australian ruling class then and because I've also been involved all my life actually in in work on education um, I've, uh, I've got an early and a late piece about poverty in education uh, which from research that I was uh, involved in in the 1980s and 90s. Um, and then a more recent one about how Australian education, uh, the, and especially in the school system, has changed with the advent of the market free market agenda. Mm. So, and then finally, because I've also done... A fair bit of work on on intellectuals and the nature of, you know, the academic world, um, and uh, trying to rethink the the nature of social science. Once we begin to bring in sort of post colonial critique or decolonial critique, or what I call southern theory. so I um, I have also a, a piece about my early critique of mainstream social science as it sort of we have acquired it from the global north, from the United States, from Europe, and um, and then thinking about what social science might be if we took a genuinely world approach to it, given that uh, you know six out of seven uh, humans. On on the globe, don't live in North America or Europe; they live Mm in the rest of the world. So the great majority of social life is lived somewhere else, and that also ought to be a basis of our thinking about society. So those are the the uh, the the topics that the the pieces in the book uh, deal with. Yeah. Uh, but when I, I put them together and, and was happy with the, the selection, I thought, you know, a lot of this is, uh, you know, is statements of about concepts and ideas. But I've also done a lot of field work. And, in fact, I usually yes. try to think through, um, you know, theoretical, conceptual problems in relation to particular, you know, situations, particular concrete situations and particular empirical studies that I've been involved in. So I thought, okay, that ought to get a little bit of a look into the book. Yeah. So I got uh, then a little, uh, you know, a chapter called Fieldwork, which takes, has extracts from three uh, research projects um, one about intellectuals one, and, and management in business, uh, one about uh, gender issues, gender, gender uh, relations and gender reform in the public sector, and one about trans life. Ah. Um, because back, uh, if, you're, <laughs> if I take a cue from your R, um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll just explain how that came to be. Back in the eighties, I was doing research about men and masculinities, which was a new thing in gender research at the time. Um, And um, a kind journalist at Sydney Morning Herald wrote up a little article about my project uh, because it was unusual and globally, internationally as well as locally. Uh, So there was this little item appeared in the Herald Mm -hmm. um, about, um, you know, he was this professor at Macquarie University doing research on men's lives and masculinities. How interesting. All right. A few days later at the university, I got a letter from one of the people who'd read this story in the the paper. And... It was from someone whom, whom I call Robin. I mean, it's, it's, that's a, uh, a pseudonym, of yep. course. You, you usually uh, um, preserve people's privacy if they enter your research, as it certainly did. Anyway, Robin wrote to me and said, look, I want to be part of your research because I used to be a man. <laughs> and there you go. Uh so I thought mhm now this is something I want to know. Uh this is something I want uh it's not part of my project clearly but it's very very interesting. So well, we we con- made an appointment and, and a few days later again I rocked up in in Robin's apartment she was already sort of dressed up to Welcome the professor and, and mm-hmm. have this important interview. And she got out all of her photo albums from her life, both before and after transitioning. Yeah. And we had this wonderful talk We went on for three hours, I kid you not, without without a break. Um, Which she told me the story of her life Mm -hmm. um, and the story of the transition and how she tried to make a life afterwards. She was retired. Now, she'd been an engineer, um, uh, then a a taxi driver, um, had really interesting stuff about it, Um, had been a suburban husband and then an inner-city trans woman. Um, It's just a, a wonderful interview. But uh, this was the eighties, right? So yes. in the eighties, you know, there's no queer movement, there's no trans movement. Uh the you know, what trans women were was very much debated. Were they crazy? Were they, you know, were they mad? Uh were they pathological? Were they paranoid? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean this was all the the discourse at the time. Um and I didn't want to present Robin in that way, you know, as a, as a case study, so yeah. to speak. Um, nor did Robin because, um, I mean, just about the first thing she said in the interview was, I wanted to do this interview because I want to, uh, to be able to tell, show to people that transsexual women, that was her term. And Absolutely. That was the, the usual term at the time. And sexual women are just normal people, you know, with people like anybody else. Hmm. I thought, yeah, sure, <laughs> I totally agree. Um, but uh, how do you do this then? How do you tell Robin's story without, given the way, you know, things were at the time, without sort of constructing or, or making her appear as a pathological case study? And I could not, honestly, I could not work out how to do it. Um, so I didn't publish the interview or anything from it at the time, but I I kept it. I kept thinking about it. And a good while later, I transitioned myself. Um, and I began thinking about Robin's interview again, because it was truly an amazing interview. Um, and I finally worked out how to do it. I could do this now, uh, respectfully. Um, hardly by doing what she hoped for—that is, tell her story and show how she was, in fact, ordinary people uh, as she, as she wanted to be understood—and I could do that because I could talk about my own positioning yeah. as a trans woman, as a researcher, in the same con- in the context of of that interview. Anyway, in the book. Is the is a brilliant passage from the interview in which she talks about how the the, the sort of her internal demand to transition arose, and and what it then involved. You know, it's a fairly short passage, but it's it's absolutely fascinating, especially in its context of of trans life in the eighties. Yeah. Um, so so that's what's in the book. there. Are, there are four and two-thirds chapters about gender. If you're interested in well, gender issues, uh, one one of the, the passages being from that, uh, that uh, uh, interview. Yeah. So
0: that's what it what it is. Well, there there it is. I mean, it's a great overview. You've really, you know, you've obviously nailed it. I'm talking with Rowan Connell about her new, um, well, um, I'll call it the Tony Bennett book. The research, Tony Bennett was called The Singer's Singer. We'll call this the researcher's researcher book, the <laughs> research politics and social change. And you've really summed up the topics in there. Well, there's so much that's come out of just even the first bit of that com- um, that conversation that I could ask about um, where to start with, I mean, I'm, I am I'm I, prefer, I would be the first to say I'm not a researcher and I could have researched about research for today, but I like the fact that you've got the fieldwork um, section in there. I think that's great, mm-hmm. was the first thing I wanted to say. I know that one of my um, trans friends who's, um, I'm going to say it, is um, part of the um, Rowan Connell's Fan Squee Club, um, thinks you're awesome, Was is, is tuning in today and I know will love that. But the thing that came to me is... You know, you've obviously journeyed through your own life. How, I'm just going to ask how that might have changed your perspectives as a researcher, you know, how, as you've, you know, become more authentic, um, and I, I'm going to say, you know, grown as a human being, how did that, you know, did that affect your approach as a researcher? And if so, how?
2: I suppose it's, uh, it, it has certainly made me more, uh, alert perhaps maybe more more sensitive in a way to gender contradictions and tensions in other people's lives okay i've done you know the the, the i've i've done different kinds of research you know i've done yeah. the big quantitative surveys um i've done some of the the kind of ethnographic work where you go and sort of sit down in a, an institution and and, um, and learn about how, how it operates, what's going on around you. They've done that kind of research in schools and, and offices and so forth. But the, the research method I've used more than any other and like more than any other is life history interviewing, where you basically sit down with someone and, and well, invite them to tell you the story of their life, um, and uh, you will you have it, you know, because it would take a lifetime to tell the story of a life in in absolute detail. Mm. Um, you have some things that the the, the project is about, and which yep. you, you you tell the 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 person giving their story what 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 the research interest is about. Um, but the, you know, it's open. In that kind of of research, uh, it's very much open to the people to the part both participants, both the interviewer and the the person being interviewed um, to learn from each other and move in directions that are opened up in the storytelling and the uh, the conversation, something like what you do on <laughs> air, of course yes um, so i I guess. Focus because it's part of a number of interviews that the interviewer is doing on a given thing. Um, So that there's a a kind of conceptual, theoretical agenda behind it. But at all events, you know, I've done quite a lot of interviews with men and boys, uh, with women and girls too. Um, And because I've lived with gender contradictions. Pretty well all my life from childhood mm-hmm. on, um, I've. I, I'm pretty sure that has made me conscious of the possibilities of ancient contradiction, uh, and and conflict in yeah. other people's lives too. Um, I won't say that's, uh, that. Uh, you know, that biases me towards any particular theoretical framework for understanding this, and indeed over my career I've I've been through at least three, you know, different theoretical frames. I started off, I guess, thinking about sex roles like everybody did in the 1960s, unless they were thinking, you know, that the gender is fixed by by the Lord God or by nature and, and never changes. Um, um, but that's not a, a, an approach that, that has led to much social research. It sort of eliminates uh, our social life. Uh, sex roles became a popular term um, back in the 1940s and 50s, actually, um, and was pretty much the, the framework for a lot of thinking um, about gender issues gen- and gender politics uh, in the time of women's liberation, gay liberation in the seventies, um, and and you still find it uh, around, you know, in in education, in yeah. uh, social work, in psychology. It's still quite a popular term, um, and and it's helpful in the sense that it directs you to asking, you know, what's the environment, what. What messages are kids getting from from the adults in their lives, or from the mass media? Uh, how do these construct ways of being a boy or a girl, or a man or a woman? There's something yeah. in that, but the, the the concept of sex roles is is still a pretty crude one, actually, and tends to exaggerate um, the homogeneity of Uh, identities and uh, actions Mm. and interactions and so forth and uh, really badly exaggerates how homogeneous a culture is because that tends to make you think, okay, there's one male role, one female role. Mm. And when you get into the nitty-gritty, as you have to do with life history interviewing, you know, it's much more complicated and much more interesting, actually, than that. Um, So I then... I. um, you know, it took a little bit of existentialism from Sartre and a bit of structural sociology from the structural sociologists, um, and a, a concept of patriarchy or gender hierarchies from feminist thought, and something about the differentiation of masculinities from gay liberation thought, um, and put that together in you know, in a kind of synthesis, as other people were doing in, in the 80s. So that that then became a kind of if you like a, a, a sociological theory of gender which emphasized practices, actual actions in in social life and then um, in the nineties and and afterwards, I became much more conscious of my own position in the wider in the global context, yeah. So we're a settler colony in Australia, but we only really come to realise that fairly recently. That is, the settler population have only come to, to have names for that and ways of acknowledging that. The Indigenous people, of course, have known it all along yep. because they were at the, you know, at the wrong end of the gun um, in the 18th and 19th century, and indeed in the 20th and 21st century. That is still the case. So, you know, there, there are global relationships and global dynamics, uh, which is true in relation to social class. It's true in relation to gender as well. So that that's the third type of theorising that I've been doing. I've had the opportunity and very good fortune to be able to travel fairly widely around the world um, in the course of which I've talked to academic audiences mainly, but also others as well, um, and have had a chance to to understand the different histories and tragic truths of class relations, gender relations, so forth, of in different parts of the world, come to understand something about coloniality. Yeah, um is a very good. Concept comes to us from from South America, um, and and how this might affect our, our practices in in relation to gender. So I guess I've been doing. it, uh, I wrote a book called Southern Theory, to, which brought all of those ideas together. You know, about fifteen years ago. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and And so more recently i 've been working on how how we might <clears throat> understand questions of masculinity or gender hierarchies in world terms as well as as just the the, the local ones so there's that 's therefore a, an important part of the story I tell in the book about how the possible good ways of thinking about gender uh, shift over time over know, over my lifetime, through at least those I think three stages, and that's even without factoring in post structuralism uh to the story. Um, and um you know it matters. We we, we want to go on learning. Um,
0: Absolutely. And
2: and often people take a you know a conceptual position and then stick to it through thick and thin and defend it with sharp pointed sticks and so forth. Um, and I don't, I try not to operate that way. I, I, I hope I can keep learning at the age of 79 uh, about as efficiently as I could at the age of, well, maybe not quite as efficiently as I could at the age of nine, but certainly as well as I could at 29. Yeah. Um, if I may and, say so, I think you're yeah. doing
0: pretty well um because the thing that struck me is you have been prepared to you know keep learning, keep opening your mind both you know all the way through and the fact that you know you, you're you're challenging I'll, my word western concepts of research I think as well. I mean, yeah. I'm you know that's important as well. I I'm, I'm sure that um I've got my Western concepts um, stuck in my mind in whatever I do and that there's lots of ways to do things so if I may say so I think you're you know that you are keep learning and keeping your brain as we'll say as active and growing as it can be I think is just enormous and the to use the word coined by Kimberly Crenshaw your intersectionality of class race slash culture slash nationality and similar and masculinity, I think, you know, the fact that you're bringing all these concepts in is is, is just amazing. I, I'm just, I'm, I, I'm not saying a lot of this interview because I'm just sitting here listening in all like a listener. <laughs> to be honest, I'm, I'm just, I'm blown. Away, you know, I'm just really moved um, by by everything you're saying. So I think, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I think that you're um, just learning heaps, and um, you know, then you share your learning with the rest of the world that's, as I, as I think the young people say, that's cool. <laughs> so I yes. think it's really great.
2: It is. Um, and thank you. Uh, I, I do hope that that, that, that is right. Uh, because I do put a lot of work into communicating and and trying to communicate clearly. Because I don't think, you know, social, social science is, uh, to my mind, you know, our organised way of thinking about our own society, in ourselves, in social context. And the more people who can understand, um, you know, good social science, the better. Um, so I think it, it is an academic's job um, to make themselves clear, um, to, uh, to disseminate. Um, you know, that, that's what makes social science democratic. Um, and um, it it takes work, um, and you have to be able to find sometimes the right, um, uh, you know, the right media for doing it. Um, a, a lot of social science is re- really written for other social scientists rather than for the, the end users, if you like, the people who can actually make uh, make good use of it, oh, for instance, for social change. And, And I've I've put energy into trying to do that. But it isn't just me. I mean, my my work as a researcher. um, Mm -hmm. This is something I rave on about in another recent book, which is called The Good University, um, where I talk about how universities actually function and what's gone wrong with them, and what other ways of thinking about uh, universities there have been. There's a wonderful history of. Experimental and radical universities that we hardly ever hear about, um, but it's there, um, and and in that I emphasise that uh, you know the knowledge that's produced by research and is then is taught in course in university courses is not you know doesn't spring like the goddess Athena out of out of the divine head of any particular researcher. It's it's done collectively. It's done by a workforce, a whole workforce. So my work as a researcher depends on other people in my research teams, mm-hmm. the intellectual networks that I'm part of, the other people that I teach with, the people who run the office that supports my work uh, or the offices because there are, there are multiple ones, the tech, you know, technical experts who you know make make the computers work for me. Absolutely, um, the the maintenance staff who keep the roof over my head, um, and and of course the students, um, you know, who keep academics minds alive. Um, so uh, you know, I, I owe a lot um, for for everything that that I've been able to do. Um, you know I think i 've put in a fair fair share of the midnight oil um on that count but but it is a you know making knowledge and circulating knowledge is a collective process that is really important to understand yeah and where where i 've done work um on on trans issues, for instance, that also has depended on my interactions with other people and and in different scenes too. Um so I've talked with trans support groups, I guess, in about I think it's twelve different countries. Yeah. Um five or six of them in, in the global south. And you know, that's been really eye opening um in in a number of ways and pushed me to think in ways other than those that are familiar ideas coming from the United States or, or from Europe. Um so one of one of the best conversations I've ever heard Please tell. was in a crowded Volkswagen in a taxi in Taiwan, uh <laughs> where we had a hilarious conversation. I had a hilarious conversation with a bunch of young people who were driving me to a conference through a storm. Uh, and and talking about their you know, their lives, their economic situation, that so on and, and so forth. That was lovely. And then on another occasion, on the other side of the world, actually, I was uh, at a conference, a feminist conference in uh, Costa Rica, Mm -hmm. which is a small and very beautiful country in Central America. It's one of the only countries in the world that does not have an army. Wow. Uh, Yeah, at least trying to be uh, really peaceful. Anyway, there's very nice um, people at the at the, the universities there, um, who invited me to give a talk uh, about trans issues uh, on campus. So I did um, on, uh, on a day, um, I think it was just before the, the conference was being held. So I went out there and, and gave my lecture in, in English because I can read a little Spanish but I'm not fluent. Uh, and we translated it as I went. Um, And it turned out there was a group of uh, trans women and uh, travesties uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in the audience who came up to me afterwards and sort of thanked me for for coming and um, helping them establish the, the point that they felt had to be established and that I helped them was that they are real. That their lives were real, that yeah. they're not, you know, criminals or or crazies, uh, that this is real life, and that was really helpful to me in in thinking what uh, you know trans presence might mean. So we went off. Costa Rica, you know, produces coffee, so we, there are a lot of coffee shops around, coffee shops. My, my I of might place. say. So we walked uh, off the campus to and sat down in a coffee shop and had a wonderful talk for a couple of hours. Um, again, you know, uh, um, uh, we, we had to uh, to translate between Spanish and English, but we were able to do that. Yes. Uh, and uh, somehow or other we got uh, in that conversation to the topic of, of what our life expectancy was. How long did we expect to, to live? And And they thought for a while, that this is mostly, uh, I, I realised, of course, these were pretty young people, mostly. Um, they thought for a while and then said, okay, uh, we, we have a consensus. We think our average expectation of life would be about 32. And that's in Costa Rica. But if you go next door to El Salvador, it would probably be about 28. Because of the death squads. Goodness. Um, Yeah. Um, You know, AIDS, murder, uh, uh, other illnesses, crap housing, um, TB, something people die from in those circumstances, malnutrition, no medical care, deep poverty. You know, uh, what are you talking about? Uh, Of course people are not going to have... I, I mean, the point was that I suddenly realised I was twice as old as anyone else in the, sitting there on the mm. in the coffee shop, um, and um, what what they were describing is probably true of of trans life in in, in much of the, the world. Yep. Um, so you know, you begin to think about things a bit differently. <laughs> um, from that starting point, and uh, I have to say that makes me very bitter indeed about the kind of right-wing politics that's now yep. circulating. Um, that is uh, denying the reality of, of trans lives. Thank you for saying that. And yeah. creating, yeah, creating a climate of hostility uh, and uh, illegitimacy and bitterness. Uh, towards especially trans women but trans men as well and non-binary yeah. people and so forth could also get caught up in this. Um, that uh, I mean, the bulk of that uh, attack on gender and trans existence comes from politicians, um, but they're also you know, enablers. Uh, and the, that kind of politics is completely cynical yeah in my view uh completely cynical it's it's a way that right wing parties in in a number of parts of the world have thought they can get a little edge by stirring up uh anxiety and hatred among people that they can then recruit as voters that's what, basically what's going on it's really horrible horrible politics um and and the people who Act in effect as enablers for that right-wing politics. Some of whom are ministers of religion. Some of whom are actually feminists, which is deeply shameful. Um, they, you know, they are not giving the main muscle to this movement, but they are helping to enable it. And that is yeah. very, very sad,
0: I think. Yeah. Look, it's I uh, look well. <laughs> Obviously, I agree, and I just really appreciate that you pointed it out, but I think your comments about, you know, the conversation in Costa Rica and what's, you know, the fact that it's, you know, even more um, stressful in El Salvador, there's two things that come out of that. One, this is happening before this sort of um, current upsurge in right-wing, well, nonsense it's the polite eight-letter word I can use on air, um, and you know, that makes it worse. But it also makes us here in Australia, and I say this often, I mean, I'm grateful that I am in Melbourne slash NARM, which is one of the better places in Australia in the world to be, where I can largely be myself as part of the whole. It makes mm-hmm. us grateful for that and then it makes us stop and think, how do we use that privilege to better the lives of other people? So I think I'm... Exactly I'm, right. I'm really, you know, I think it's really awesome difficult as it is it's awesome that you brought it up and re- remind us it just grounds us a bit but it also it can you know it's it's sort of it fuels me to hear that it's like okay how do we just go a bit go a bit more bit more do a bit more be more productive in what we do which is amazing right we're getting towards the end of the show um so sure. um you know, i'd better just start um winding it up there. So, um, because freedom of species is our next show on animal advocacy coming in at one o'clock. Um, but, um, I, I could, I could honestly listen to you for hours. It's just your wealth of knowledge and experience is just amazing. I've just been, I really have just it's been a joy for me to sit here and be the listener today along with the other listeners. Um, so your, um, book, Raywan Connell, research, politics, social change. Um, who wants to do it? Where do we, do we buy this book? <laughs>
2: Uh, Well, it's published by Melbourne University Press Indeed Uh, You can order it online um, And any good bookstore should have it Or we'll get it for you
0: That's right, we'll work it out for you Um, And you did it first Um, So yes, out now with any good bookstore I had to do it Um, So it's just... Look, it's, uh, just before we close it off, just anything else you want to add about the book or anything that we've discussed or anything we forgot or it went through your mind, came out, and it's like, oh, let's bring it back in now just and then we'll leave it there.
2: Well, uh, I've just spent a week at the World Congress of Sociology, which has been well in Melbourne um, this last week, in fact. Uh, really fascinating stuff going on, and I'm very encouraged by the energy and commitment of the young people who were involved in that. That's what I want to finish with. I'm optimistic for the next generation.
0: I think that's a great note to finish out on which to finish our conversation. Raywin, a joy and honour to have you with us. Thank you for all that you've done, continue to do, and I think we'll keep keep doing as you keep learning and keep that brain active for a long time. Um, Just many thanks on all counts and have a great rest of your Sunday afternoon.
2: Thank you kindly.
0: Thank you. Rowan Connell there on three CR. Wow, what an amazing contributor. I'm, as i as I just as I said a few times during the conversation, I am in what absolutely in absolute awe. Um and just you know, discussing this with one of my three CR colleagues here just before I came on that Rowan perhaps isn't say your upfront activist, but we need all of us in the community. And there's Rowan putting her little niche of knowledge into the world her specialty being research and field work and those sorts of things and making the world a better place and this is what happens when we do have um diversity and um you know being able people being able to be their whole selves all that sort of thing it is just phenomenal and um yeah i I, i'm as i say as you can probably hear in my voice i'm just in total awe have a quick breather now um, and just um, come back and wrap up the show with a few other miscellaneous announcements and tell you what's happening for Freedom of Species from 1 till 2 and the rest of the afternoon on 3CR. You're on 3CR, 855am, 3 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au, 3CR, On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. Hello, listeners. I'm Kelly. I'm Katie. We are starting a new program called Hong Kongology here on 3CR. We are bringing you alternative perspectives on current affairs, cultural events and community news about Hong Kong within and beyond the city. Hong Kongology is on air every Thursday 6 to 7 p.m. starting on the 6th of July. Our shows will be in English, Cantonese or a mix of both languages. Follow us on Instagram at kongology 3 cr for more details. See you there. Hey <laughs> Gamsina.
2: <laughs> I'm Deborah Titan frayon and you're listening to 3CR. Stay tuned and stay radical.
0: Hello, this is Leroy McQueen and I say it'd be a good thing to support the Radiothon on 3CR. Absolutely. Thank you to everyone who has supported 3CR's Radiothon. Um, Lots of shows um, pretty much on target and a great, I have to say, I'm very chuffed um, that all five queer queer focused programs have now reached their target, including Out of the Pan. Thank you to all who have donated. I'll do a run through of the list. Just about out of time for today, so I'm going to do a run through in a couple of w- in the next week or two. Um, just it may it just gladdens my heart every year. We know three CR listeners aren't necessarily um, always flush with funds yet. We're on the way to the radiothon target. where... Still got some distance to travel. I know there's a few shows. We've got fundraisers and things coming up, which will be um, there. So we're on the way. But if you do have a few buckaroo poos that you can spare um, and you haven't donated yet, or if you want to donate again, um, we can be non-binary, so to speak. Donate twice and thrice and twice. I've invented a word because I can. Um, You know, please do so. Freedom of Species comes up next on 3CR and um, the crew from Freedom of Species. Um, Their guest today will be Jamie Woodhouse, who is going to engage with an argument, not agree with it, that is sometimes presented that it is better to bring animals in the world. And I'm almost going to say, I will say content note here, the argument is that it's better to bring animals in the world to kill them, e.g. in animal agriculture, rather than that animal not being brought into existence at all. So Jamie is going to um de-, de deconstruct in my best researcher voice that argument which I think needs obviously needs to happen in my personal opinion um, lots of other things going on it 's good to see that a Louis, the governor of Louisiana, the equivalent of the say the national president of the u s has vetoed some anti trans laws there 's injunctions going on in the u s um, in various states against some of the what we would call anti trans laws, which I think is also incredibly welcome. Little bits of fight back, Rainbow Angels, a group of Victorian organisations signing a petition, um, getting together to sign a petition against the far right, you know, it's, you know, we all know, I've said this before, it'd be great if we could get on with their agenda, but it is great that people are banding together as best as we can to fight the nonsense. Ray went out there doing her thing, contributing her skills as well. So we're rocking along and um, lots of things happened in Pride Month as well, which is sensational as well. So um, great to see all that. So Freedom of Species with Jamie Woodhouse from 1 till 2. James from In Your Face is um, rotating from 2 till 3 today with rotations with a great range of queer music and then queering the air from 3 till 4. So a huge in my best um, female Daryl Eastlake voice. I'll do that again. Huge line-up on 3CR for the afternoon. I'll take it out um, today. Uh, if we are in Nadoc week, I think it's worth playing the classic. Here's Goanna from the um, groundbreaking Spirit of Place album from the ni- around 1980 and Solid Rock. Thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan. I'm Sally Goldner. Catch you next week.